This episode's brought to you by the following patrons. Danielle, Taco Cat, The Letter, Jeff, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Matthew, William, Brandon, Dave, Tristan, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Karoon, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group or Discord servers. And you can find the links for those, like, on social media. We post them, like, I don't know, once every month or so. I didn't like your enthusiasm in that take. Yeah, you don't like my <laughs> voice either. I heard that on the Cult Podcast episode. I didn't say me. I said my friends. Yeah, but you agreed with them. <laughs> you agreed with them, Mikey. <laughs> my name's Todd. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, the cars that are on sale are in the front of the lot. I understand that that's how my voice sounds. Yeah, his ears are right near his mouth. Yeah, but that's like how my voice sounds. <laughs> you can't blame me. I'm half radio. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Mikey, you know me in real life. Do I sound like this in real life? Yes. That's what I mean. I can't like stop my voice from being my voice. Stop being yourself. Talk like the the woman who owned that Sovereonius company or whatever. Sinovius? Sinovius is our bank, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Peace out, Sinovius. Get out of uh, the sponsor of us. Free checker. <laughs> we have free checker, you moron. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch. <laughs> Thank you, Vincent Half Price. <laughs> I am a discount Vincent Price. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got a little little bit of roast mode left. <laughs> Honestly, Paige, don't ever let it go. I mean, you're so immature. It's almost like Vincent Fisher Price. <laughs> That's fair. At least I'll say the word pussy. This week, you guys made me watch Dream, Dream Warriors. Warriors. No, Nightmare on Elm Street Three. Dream Warriors. It is technically Nightmare on Elm Street Three. Dream Warriors, but Dokken didn't sing the whole title, so I'm only required to say Dream Warriors. Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Colon Dream Warriors: Colon The Story of a Team of Friends Who Battled Dreams: Colon The Sequel. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine every one of the S's in all of that have dollar signs. <laughs> yeah, 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 and or or some of them are Z's. <laughs> naturally, naturally. So this was the first time I had seen this movie. Have you guys seen this movie before? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was not expecting that enthusiastic of a response from you, Paige. Uh, honestly, I think this is one of my favorite nightmare movies. Agree. When I did the social post about it on Horror Virgin's Instagram and Twitter and stuff, people lost their minds. I didn't realize how much people love this movie, but people, people love, love this movie. This and movie. I yeah. listen, it was the first time I saw it. I really sort of liked elements of it. There were some parts that got me, though, and we'll talk about that as we go through them because I was this is not going to be a one for me on the scary scale is all I'm saying. It's close. Not a one, though. Okay, I I need to say something as a mental health professional. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Mikey. I I just want to know that I like hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Mikey, before you start, let me just recording in progress. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to make sure we get this. So, Mikey, now as a mental health professional, you were saying. Uh, I personally, (laughs) as a horror fan, really like this movie. But but as a mental health professional, 
from top to bottom, this is bad. Like very, yeah. very well, I bad. mean, when they when they refer to the people who have died by suicide as cowardly, I yeah, was like, I was like, oh, oh no, yeah. all of them, <laughs> no, all of the group meeting situations. I was like, I bet Mikey is pulling his hair out right now. I was like, oh no, this is so bad. Like, don't do this. Although this was in the eighties, I wonder how off this was in the eighties. I have notes. Oh, oh shit, good. nice. Paige got some fun facts about this movie. But they go too far. Even if they were like, he was a coward. Yeah. That doctor, what's that doctor's name? The one who's having an improper relationship with his intern yeah. that is like Thank you. lightly covered in this film. Yeah, I was yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah, that one. His name is Neil, Neil Gordon. Yerf Gordon. <laughs> Yerf, Yerf Gordon was like, yeah, guys, I think we all know that little Tommy was a total P word for killing himself. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it, no. Was, yeah, it was f- Phil. Phil is a selfish coward and he quit on us. And I was just like, whoa, yeah. you could not have a worse take if you tried. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so oh, it doesn't, I don't think it did any favors for the stigmatization of mental illness and treatment. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this movie's doing any mental health favors. Yeah, that's true. I also, I, I think it glosses over the fact that when they get back from that dream, they're bringing three corpses back. <laughs> yeah. And every, we, we go to Nancy's funeral. No one cares about the other two kids. And at no point is anybody just like, hey, Lawrence Fishburne, you let this strange lady back in when we told you to keep her out. And now three people are dead, including that strange lady. What gifts? Yo, Morpheus is in jail at the end of this movie. Like, that is just what is there happening. There is a deleted scene. You guys may not have seen it on the, it was on the uh, Blu-ray, <laughs> where he gets fired and he's like, Cowboy Curtis loses another job. <laughs> Time to be moving on to the next cowpoke town. <laughs> this era of Lawrence Fishburne, I find extremely attractive. Paige, are you saying he could deliver mail to your Pee Wee's Playhouse? Absolutely. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie School Days, but yes. Oh, that movie's good. Good. So I do really have questions as to whether Dr. Gordon and um, Nancy were like in a relationship or not, because there are scenes where it seems like they are like straight boning, but they never actually they don't show it. Yeah, they don't show it. So like if they weren't boning, which I hope they weren't, he was very inappropriately handsy with her. All I'm going to say is if he'd been played by Tom Atkins, they'd be boning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because Tom Atkins can pull. And if she's half his age, she's too old. (laughs) They're having candlelight dinners at her apartment. Yeah. It's a real Tom Atkins kind of move. The power was out. (laughs) I don't think the power was out. I think they were out and then came back in and then lit candles before they just like. He's like, I got a bottle of wine. We just drink and we'll talk about how Kyle was a total coward. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay my favorite part of this whole movie is their dream powers or whatever this guy's like i've got i can walk again and i've got wizard powers and i've got super strength and i can do acrobatics and they're like what about so and so and she's like i'm hot and i have a pocket knife mikey mikey it's even better than that she has a crazy mohawk she's like decked out in leather and she goes i'm beautiful and, and bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's just a pocket knife. It's literally just a pocket knife. Mikey, she walked off the set of the bad music video into her dream <laughs> warrior character, and I am here for it. Her mohawk is legit seven feet tall. Like, I wonder if she like walked in the room and was like, look at this, and then the guy's like, 
bending steel and she's like oh i don't mm. i wish you guys had told me your powers before i'd settled on mine being pocket knife <laughs> but also kincaid his is super strength but he's dressed as mr t like he doesn't have the chains he doesn't have the hairstyle but that is mr t's outfit from the it 80s is. he might as well have said i pitied a fool very few things could make this movie better in my eyes like don't get me wrong it has its problems but keep them it just makes it better but if he because he once he kind of turns into his dream self he has like the catchiest lines he like he, it's amazing and if and if they had made them mr t style pity the fool lines <laughs> mind blown mr t versus freddy krueger yes <laughs> also they get the dream powers and they literally help them in no way, shape, or form, they just get straight up murdered just as easy as regular people in Freddy's dreams. Okay, so arguably, the person with the worst power kills, quote-unquote, Freddy by yelling. Like, his superpower is just the power of speech. Well, yeah, because he's like, he's like, my name's Tom, and I'm a horror version. Freddy's like, <laughs> So maybe we should just get into this movie so we can talk about it scene by scene. But there is a lot to get into here, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I, I love this movie. So we open on a quote from Edgar Allan Poe, which is, Sleep, those little slices of death, how I loathe them. Then we get some creepy organ music because the score to this is uh Badalamente who is like old style movie score aficionado like he's amazing but it's very like old timey organ horror through like the beginning of this film you look confused Todd I look confused because you're explaining it like it's old timey organ horror but it fully is like a seven year old on a Casio keyboard he actually would play organ as it gets further into the movie and it has the techno behind it yeah yes then it's weird but in this opening scene it's just organ oh is it I don't remember the opening scene specifically I just like the music through this sounds more like a like literal 14 year old with a Casio keyboard the day he got it that's funny because usually my closing scenes are just organ mm. is that a penis joke Mikey yeah that I yeah I'm going back to the well I'm going back to the dick well <laughs> anyway <laughs> so in in these opening scenes it's just straight up organ it gets mixed with some 80s nonsense later in the movie but the opening just organ yeah i guess it's the 80s nonsense i was thinking of yeah we get the logo for the movie which literally looks like it was made in powerpoint <laughs> like where it just says like nightmare three and then it says dream warriors in like a sans serif like impact <laughs> font but i mean if you read it you have to say dream <laughs> because that's the way you read that font specifically. The font is called falsetto. Is it really? No, I don't know, but that's how I sing it. It's it's the most plain Jane font of it. It's it's almost like it's bold aerial italic. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that, like, the movie from top to bottom feels so 80s to me. Yeah. Like, it just drips of 80s sweat, and I love it. The one thing I do like about this movie, though, is it is a solid, solid sequel and definitely, like, you know, builds on the world of Nightmare and everything. Oh, yeah. But you could take just the bare bones of the plot and just make it a non-nightmare movie and it would still work. Yeah. The idea of like kids being treated in an asylum and they have a common dream that's haunting them. Like that's really interesting. Yeah, that that common dream is freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is in the midst of this being the most 80s movie on earth, 
it has solid bones and a solid structure beneath it. Yeah. So, like, it works. So we open with Patricia Arquette ruining a perfectly good vintage Pyrex flower batter bowl. Oh, yeah. She is making a papier-mâché house. Yes. Which we find out is the, the house from Nightmare on Elm Street. It's Nancy's house. It's Nancy's house. Yeah. yeah. And she's trying to keep herself awake. And at one point, she just takes a giant spoonful of instant coffee oh. and then chases it with Diet Coke. Honestly, and I that's, was just like, it looks so gross, right? Like, oh my god, her and it gets stuck in her teeth, and she's just like, mwah, mwah. and I'm like, oh no, Patricia, no. But yeah, I mean, you do anything you can to stay awake when you're having these kinds of dreams. Yeah, and she's. <laughs> Why did that make you laugh, Mikey? I don't know. I, I'm broken. Because <laughs> I'm like, in my PTSD dreams, I just dive in. You do dive in. With my organ music. Oh, my God. Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it, though. Like, Mikey, don't go changing a thing, my man. Anyway, she's still drifting hard. You know who else is drifting hard? Trucksecutioner. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I live my life a quarter mile at a time in seven bodies. Excuse you, Trucksecutioner identifies as female. That's right. Trucksecutioner is female. We talked about that on the last episode, Mikey. That's right, because Todd's got to be able to fuck her. <laughs> no, Mikey. Hey, 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 hey. Todd could have also trucked a male or gender nonconforming truck. Did you trucked? Todd could have trucked. I said <laughs> fucked, but trucked would also work. Oh, I'm sorry. I heard trucked. I'm so sorry. Any gender on the gender spectrum is... It's it's whatever their sex drive chain... <laughs> drive train. <laughs> I love how you fucked up your own dr- joke, but I loved it, Mikey. <laughs> Thank you for rescuing it. Loved it, yeah. I like it. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Anyway, yeah. truck secutioner aside, Kristen, who's Patricia Arquette's character, her mom comes home from a date, and her mom is a stone-cold evil bitch from the <laughs> jump. I don't know that, like, from the jump. She comes in, turns the radio off, and says, hey, you're going to wake the whole neighborhood because she's rocking to docking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then she's like, why are you still up? It's 1 a.m. I can't bone zone this dude. If you're still awake, go to bed. And then she sort of becomes a monster. Like, I, I feel like the turning the music off and telling your daughter to go to bed at 1 a.m. makes sense as a mom. The rest of it's not great. Well, the, the part that doesn't make sense is when she's like, yeah, I've still been having these nightmares. They're really bothering me and makes it really hard to sleep. And then she's just like, well, can you keep your like issues down while I go stone cold bone this guy and get some whiskey in it? Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you're fucking up my shit. Bye. And she's just like slams the door and leaves. She's like, stop cock blocking me, Patricia Arquette. Yeah, and every other time we see her after this, she's just saying the most heinous shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It is terrible. <laughs> As a mental health professional, this movie was like my nightmare. But I do also <laughs> feel like if Mikey was downstairs, he would have been like, where's the bourbon? <laughs> like, that makes sense to me. <laughs> Mikey, you do like bourbon. I do like bourbon, but you know what I I don't like? Child abuse. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're doing it, right? No! (laughs) Mikey, you are very publicly on the record as if that child is evil, you will beat that child. Right. Patricia Arquette is not evil. She's not possessed. She's not trying to murder people. She's just like upset and has been through some trauma. Like that's not, that's a no go. I need to clarify my stance. Evil children are evil. But they like a, like a supernatural evil, like the omen. Yeah, like the omen. Yeah. Are the children of the corn? 
We haven't done that one yet, so Todd doesn't know. I can't believe we haven't done Children of the Corn. We got There are so many movies we haven't done. Anyway, she falls asleep, and we get a close on the paper mache house she was building. The papier mache house. Papier mache house, and she wakes up in front of a real version of it. And we hear the nursery rhyme, the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Freddy's coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. We see a little girl in a yellow dress and Kristen walks up to her and just says, hi, what's your name? I'm, I'm Kristen. And she then asks the little girl, what's your name? And the little girl just goes, I got to go now. I know. I know. When, if that happened to me, I would have turned and run. I would not have followed that child inside the creepy house. Which she does. But yeah. The fun, the funniest part about it, or at least as I kept picturing it in my brain. So she chases the little girl into the house and then down into the basement. But the little girl was on a tricycle. And I just kept thinking of like, how's the little girl going to get her tricycle down those stairs? And then I just picture her like, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> did you see the fishing line of, of the door opening? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> so she gets down to the basement. She sees the little girl. And the little girl just says, this is where he takes us. And we reveal that it's the broiler with a bunch of child bodies in it. Yeah, there it's are like, like child bones in there for sure. I think you mean the boiler, not the broiler. I do mean the boiler. My apologies. Because like bo- broiled seafood is like so good. Yeah, bo- <laughs> boil kills people. Broiled gets you a wonderful crust. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that Mikey called you on like, yeah, cooking stuff. He, he yeah. is absolutely right. You wouldn't have bones that charred. You could. Oh, yeah, that's right. Honestly, cremation takes really high heat. I'm going to have to tactically retreat from this joke. <laughs> yeah. She grabs the little girl and picks her up and runs through the house with what is very clearly a dummy because as she's running she knocks its head on like a box as she goes (laughs) if that kid was alive it has a very bad concussion right now i was die i couldn't stop laughing and the legs are just like so stiff you know what else i I, know the doll was so funny yeah you were gonna say what else is stiff hopefully not your dick over the little girl mikey no just the charred bones (laughs) (laughs) i just really like chicken wings (laughs) mikey we still got to do that video of you and me eating chicken wings together we gotta do the three of us zoom me in i'll order wing stop let's do this shit i'm 100 on board like let's do that just us sitting there silent just like munch 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 Uh, new patreon level you now have the live stream of when i go live eating hot wings in front of an hd camera zoomed in on my mouth <laughs> Mikey, a simple Google search will let you know that people are into that. Well, if that's a thing that I can make money on, I'm here for it. You got it. You just got to start a Bonely fans. <laughs> <laughs> they call them beak streams, Mikey. Beak you, streams. <laughs> you, you can find them on the dark meat web. <laughs> We've got to move on. No. <laughs> As she runs through the house, she gets stuck in a tar pit in the middle of the house, which is something that like this movie does a lot of like shifting and changing things the way that dreams would. You know, where it's like everything's fine and then the room changes. What I thought was bonkers about this is when she hits that tar, she is just like hopping and running in place. And it's so comical. Looking over her shoulder screaming, she's just like, ah, 
<laughs> it's so ridiculous. And then, of course, Freddy gets close to her and swipes at her, and then magically she's... Yeah, the tar's gone? I don't know. Yeah, but this whole time she's, like, got this baby in her arms, like, bumping its head into the wall, like, <laughs> dancing around in tar. It's so bonkers. It sounds like she's listening to the guitar. Mikey, yes. I mean, that was terrible, but never stop what you're doing right now. People are like, what do you do on the podcast? I'm like, I make the dumbest jokes out of any podcast host I've ever heard. Well, that's famously because you don't listen to podcasts because podcasts are a quote, dying medium, as oh, you said. I should have known you'd listen. Of course. I, I listen to po- call podcasts every Monday. I have publicly said that many times. I wasn't joking. <laughs> the best part is I'll like go on a date and people will be like, well, like they'll ask me about pod- the podcast and like all the like production and all those. Qu- they'll ask me a bunch of questions about the podcast. And then they're like, so stuff you don't know anything about. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd does that. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, have you listened to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't really listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I won't talk again for five minutes. You guys can continue. I won't talk again for five minutes. I wish I could like be like pardon the interruption where I could like silence Mikey for 40 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wish you could do it in the robot voice camera. Like your call has been muted. <laughs> All right, Paige. I'm so sorry. Okay. So she is still running with a little girl. And at this point, the little girl doll starts to talk. It's still clearly a doll, but we hear like, like voiceover of just like put me down you're hurting me yeah that's clearly not coming from whatever she's holding well and then when you look down at it it's just the skeleton doll with like hair like strands coming out of her scalp yeah and well and that's after she already backed into like the hanging bodies of other teens and it was like a whole room of that well you know what they say about teenagers they scare the living shit out of me (laughs) oh I was just going to say they were hanging out. Oh, okay. You didn't want to make a My Chemical Romance joke? Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she's got the skeleton baby. She screams. She wakes up. It's still dark out. She goes to the bathroom and goes to turn on the, the faucet, and the handle grabs her hand. Freddy's in the mirror. The door locks behind her. The other handle of the faucet grows blades like Freddy's hand. It becomes Freddy's hand. It slashes at her. She screams. Her mom bursts in to find that her wrist is slashed and she's holding a razor blade. We cut to a hospital where as we're walking through the hallway with Lawrence Fishburne and the doctor who we'll meet later, uh, like or get a formal introduction to later, we're hearing a broadcast about kind of a rash of deaths by suicide. Yeah. All teenagers. And Lawrence Fishburne, or just in my notes, it just says Morpheus has a theory. <laughs> I called him Morpheus the whole time, too. I could not do that. His name is Max. Maxvius. Maxvius. Max's theory is all of these teenagers would have had parents that were adults in the 60s. So they were probably conceived soon thereafter. And conceived on LSD. And conceived on LSD. Yeah. And that's what he thinks has happened. Yeah. We find out that one of the other doctors at the hospital thinks that it's all sex, drugs, and rock and roll because this is peak satanic panic. That's important to remember historically for this movie. We then cut to them talking to one of the teens in this program who wants to get her cigarette privileges back, and they reveal that she'd been burning herself with them. Yeah, which we find out why later. Like, she's doing it to just stay awake. Just to stay awake. They also meet Kincaid in essentially solitary or lockdown 
um, where they've had to <laughs> isolate him because of his outbursts. The quiet room. The quiet room. That's what it is. Yeah. And we kind of find out through their conversation that they're getting a new staff member. She's like a graduate student who's been doing all of her research in nightmares or patterned nightmares, I should say. Sounds like hocus pocus. I mean, it sounds interesting, but it's also like tenuous as far as science goes. At least she's coming at it from a scientific standpoint. Like the Ghostbusters. Yeah, yes. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are in a world where Freddy actually does exist. That's very true. I don't know what kind of psychology they have in the Sliders universe of Freddy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, apparently in this universe, if you fall asleep and eat tiny hamburgers, you might wake up with like sesame seeds all over you. <laughs> it's a Sliders universe. <laughs> That's a delicious universe right there. I don't know what Sliders is. So every time you say Sliders, I you just... You don't know what picked... Sliders is? You don't know the show Sliders? I don't. We, Mikey and I have been talking about it for months, and you have no idea what we're referencing? I have no idea. How I'm... is this the first time you've mentioned you don't know what it is? She, I just thought she was making jokes about the show. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I thought she was making funny jokes about food. Okay. I assume it's a show where they slide into alternate universes. It's Quantum Leap for our generation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. Jerry O'Connell has a remote control and he opens a portal and it goes into you go to an alternate universe every week and they're always really bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's basically like Rick and Morty, but like more serious. Okay. Anyway, as they're walking through the hospital, they see that they're trying to to admit Kristen and she flipped out the second they tried to sedate her. And her mom is kind of talking to the doctors and saying that she just thinks that the suicide attempt was for attention. And so she's like kicking people and flipping out. And she accidentally cuts Lawrence Fishburne and starts singing the Freddie like lullaby five, six, you know, like that song. And in walks Heather Langenkamp. And she finishes the poem or whatever it is. Yeah, Nancy's back. I love that reveal too. I was so happy she was back. Yeah. And she got a rogue gray streak. I love it. I yeah. it, like I was watching it in this movie. I was like, should I do that to my hair? Paige, yes. Right? If you notice, by the end of the movie, the streak is gone. Yeah, it is, which is a little weird. I for a while in my scene days with my razor cut bangs. Oh, I need a picture of that. There are not many around because it like predates Facebook for a lot of stuff. Um, but I used to have two rogue streaks underneath. So I had the like the blonde chunks. Oh, like wow. I had really dark hair and then platinum blonde. It looked fucking rad. I'm sure it did. Anyway, so Nancy comes in. She gives her a hug. She calms her down. And then we cut to Nancy basically getting a tour of the facility from the doctor. And he's basically telling her about each of the kids and how they all have different kinds of sleep disorders but the common thread is that they all have these nightmares and it's a shared delusion yeah it's the same nightmare which no one seems to think is weird and i have to assume that that's just because they're a part of this universe because if that was actually happening that would be crazy right well right it'd be a little bonk okay let's say that i work in a facility that's not absolutely dracarian and terrible and we have (laughs) like six people Having the same dream, I would probably go to that they're talking about it and then they're getting on the same page. Separate them, maybe. Mm -hmm. But then if they had like continued to be separated and not having any interaction and still had that shared delusion, then what? I would probably think 
practically there's there's some way that they're communicating with each other either an orderly mm-hmm. or something else a mental health tech or something somebody is passing that they have this dream so they've like synced up and so you'd have to but then but then it's if it's not their presenting problem it wouldn't be like a huge deal just be like oh huh. okay because like one girl comes in for like suicide attempts so she you'd be treating her depression and then like one guy is in the hospital because his legs don't work no he's in the hospital because he tried to complete suicide right and he broke his back yeah but you only get hospitalized for like a week and i think it was still like that in the 80s unless he was continually trying to complete yeah, suicide true. it's true they might have had more longer term stuff back then i don't know i'm only viewing it in a modern lens i do again have some notes on these types of uh, situation because we covered very briefly on cult podcast a couple places like this where in in the 80s there were a lot of like oh your kid is troubled send them here to facilities or wilderness schools where then children were often not treated with any sort of data-based medical help. Like they were just either subjected to horrible abuse or hard labor because a lot of times those places, the wilderness schools or the facilities were run by people with no medical background. Like Scientology ran a handful of them. Synanon ran a ton of them under the name Sidhu schools and A lot of religious organizations would fund them and run them, but not necessarily oversee them. So they're not getting actual medical help. They're just being abused based on a curriculum that somebody just invented. One of the most famous ones is part of the Franklin Credit Union case, where Boys Town was allegedly where they were funneling money into But it was literally just a pass-through corporation to embezzle funds. And most of the people at the camp, when it operated, because a lot of times they were passing funds through and there weren't even people there, when it was operating, was horribly abusing the boys that were there. So this is a time when that is super popular and happening a lot. And they actually specifically wrote it about those places. So that's just something you know, tidbit for you. Yes, this is a bad facility. (laughs) Anyway, in this section, we find out that one of the kids in their program had about a month previous cut his own eyelids off to stay awake. I don't know. Like, can you come back from that? Like, what what happens if you have no eyelids? I don't know. I I would assume that you would need some sort of very specialized eye care. Probably, I would guess, eye drops and then probably sunglasses or something to kind of block the exposure. Yeah. But I also think that that wouldn't keep you awake. I don't think it would either. <laughs> you could fall asleep with your eyes open. People do it. Yeah. As they're talking, he compliments her on her work with Kristen and calming her down. And she drops her purse and her pill bottle of hypnosil falls out. Yeah. And this is when Dr. Gordon and her sort of have like a meet cute type of moment where it's like they both get down and sort of help her like put her stuff back in her purse. But he notices that pill bottle. Right. And he's like, Hypnosil, what is that? Timosil. I was thinking Timosil uh, too. Oh my God, I love Arrested uh, Development. Yes, exactly. I was thinking Funke coming out with like a dulcimer or some shit, like playing a song. <laughs> Every time they said Hypnosil in my brain, I just went, Hypnosil. 
Yeah. So he also asks her, like, what was that nursery rhyme? And she says, oh, it's just something the kids say to keep the boogeyman away. And we get our first flash of the creepy nun in the background. Yeah, I didn't realize this was a nun prequel. I know. I was like, Patrick Wilson, is that you? That lady looks just like the nun from the movie The Nun. Complete with weird makeup. No, absolutely. Yeah. I do love that that is Freddy's mom just nundercover. <laughs> Nailed it! Later in the movie, we get her backstory, which is bonkers. It's not good, yeah. It is bad. Thank you. I love you. I love you too, Jake. Todd loves you too. He says that he loves you guys too, but not in a weird way. You see, Todd, when you said he, you loved him, he said, I love you both. I did notice that, Mikey. <laughs> it's like when you like tell your mom like i love you and she's like yeah i love you both I'm like well, <laughs> well he didn't say it. i said it so max gives her the tour of the office and introduces her to basically all of the patients uh we've got philip who's the sleepwalker and we have he's also the one making marionettes uh who he wishes he could make them out of wood, but he doesn't have any knives. Right. Uh, then we meet Kincaid, who's been in solitary. Who eventually turns out to be Mr. T, yeah. Yeah, eventually turns out to be Mr. T. Yeah. Uh, but he, he basically just, his dream skill is like trash talk, which is the best. <laughs> yeah, because he's strong in real life, too. Like, he just carries his regular strength into the dream. What his actual dream skill is just smack talk. he's like oh you think you think freddy's the only one who can have one-liners which by the way this is like the first movie where freddy really gets one-liners because it's not really a thing in the first one the second one a little bit but that second movie's so fucking weird because i love the the second one i mean like that's the one where a bird exploded do we all remember that a bird yes, exploded? I did yes. that. So the second one's super weird. And this one, we've got like classic Freddy, but this is the Freddy that everybody remembers where he trash talks the whole time. So it only made sense to also have one of the kids just mad trash yeah. talking. He's like, I've got super strength. I can break drywall. <laughs> <laughs> so... Max, Lawrence Fishburne, does tell Nancy they're good kids, but they're dangerous to themselves and each other. And as they're walking through the hallway, they pass Joey, who's like creeping out of his bedroom to help the nurse who carries like all the sheets. And it looks like he has a teardrop tattoo. Yeah, I saw that too, but I don't see it the rest of the movie. It disappears for the rest of the movie, and I couldn't, like, find fun facts about it. I honestly thought he had killed someone, and that's why he ended up there. I thought so too. It's like a gangland initiation. He just cries in actual ink. (laughs) That is his superpower. (laughs) So I'm looking up, and there doesn't seem to be a reason for it, except that they were trying to imply that maybe he had been in a gang. But the tattoo, like, comes and goes. Yeah, typically tattoos are, like, permanent. That's, like, (laughs) the one thing I know about tattoos. (laughs) So... I guess his part of his backstory as a small, skinny, Caucasian boy with a teardrop tattoo is that he'd been a hardened gang member. Yes. He's like a West Side Story gang member. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the hardest dance fights. You wouldn't understand. I murdered a dude and I can kickball change. <laughs> pat a beret, pat a beret, stab, stab, stab. Yeah. And then when I kill people, I have sex with their sister. And not like a forced thing. Like they fall in love with me. 
<laughs> yeah, people call me the fuck executioner. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the Family Feud, but that's like. <sighs> In our number one spot, we have sex with a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> And you know her dad's like, Maria, no. <laughs> you should have guessed dinosaurs. <laughs> anyway, so we cut to Nancy has gone to Kristen's house to collect her stuff. And she's talking to her mom. And she's like, well, was she acting any different? Anything strange? And her mom is just like, she specializes in strangeness. And she always had nightmares, but they got worse when I took away her credit cards. And I was yeah. just like... Damn! She won't even help Nancy collect the stuff that she packed for her. She's just like, I gotta get downtown. Uh, maid? And you're just like, wow. Yeah, she's a stone-cold bitch! She is terrible. So we cut to Dr. Gordon's office where he's looking up Nancy's medication, Hypnosil, <laughs> and finds out that it's essentially, quote-unquote, a dream suppressant for psychotic <laughs> disorders. Mikey, that doesn't exist, does it? Nope. None of that exists. <laughs> there are drugs that people will sometimes use for like anxiety or depression that can cause you to sleep so deeply people don't remember their dreams. Yeah, like Ambien. Yeah, I've had a few different friends on like they were on like an antipsychotic or an antidepressant that caused them to lose sleep where it would keep them up. And so they then they would have to take like Ambien or something to sleep. And so they wouldn't really remember their dreams. OK, but with mental health and dreams, usually it's two things. It's one thing usually. It's trauma. Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of like pop psychology about what meanings of dreams and stuff like that. Yep. And there's, you know, I, I'm not a super big subscriber and all that, but I do think PTSD from childhood and from any sort of traumatic event. Okay. So if you go through a trauma, like say like Todd has been through some trauma, it would be very normal for the first four to six weeks of after a trauma to have recurring nightmares about that thing. Yeah, of course. And people still get them from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but the diagnosis is is after six weeks and it's still impairing your functioning. There's a, there's other nuance to that. But like they, they wouldn't make a pill to suppress dreams. That's like not treating the problem. It's just treating a symptom of like a deeper issue. Which Dr. Gordon actually mentions uh, in, during this. They're like, that's just a symptom of what's going on, actually. And she's like, well, let's just treat the symptom until we can figure out what's going on. Well, I mean, OK, but in the movie, he's uh, not great at all. I don't like him. Right. As a mental health guy. And then also, Freddy's real, so, like, it doesn't really count. <laughs> also true. Movie. Yeah, absolutely. None of this movie counts. <laughs> but I will say, <laughs> I, I think part of the reason this isn't real is because dreams are nebulous. Like, not everyone remembers their dreams. Like I almost never remember my dreams, yeah. The theory, I think, is that dreaming is, like, you processing your memories into, like, your deeper long-term memory, from, like, short-term memory to long-term memory, and processing stuff that you thought about throughout the day. Not just things yeah. that happened to you, but if you thought about stuff a lot, you also reprocess things you think about. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I mean, everybody is different. Their dream cycles are different. So yeah. like the idea that you would have hypnosil that would just like no dreams like that, that is not real. I, I mean, I think sedation would do that. So you don't have to have a new pill. You just have to be sedated. I want to be hypnosilled. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, we cut to Patricia Arquette, a.k.a. Kristen, in her hospital room drawing the house. Yes. And she's drifting. So she falls asleep as she wakes up. The door opens and the tricycle pedals in on its own, leaving a trail of blood. Which to me, I was like, "Okay, that's kind of cool. And then it deflates like it's melting. And I started laughing. It was so funny to me. And I was like, is this a deleted scene from Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Because that's how it feels right now. (laughs) She walks out of her hospital room. The door closes behind her. And now she's in the creepy house. And there's a terrifying, like, feast on the table. There's flies. The pig seems to come to life. She walks further into the house and the lights start to come on. And then this movie turns into full-blown tremors. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Freddie tries to take Patricia Arquette to Pound Town right here, and it was bonkers. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, I didn't sign up for Dune today. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I didn't realize that this was taking place on the sands of Arrakis. I will say that the 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 effects, like Freddie's face looked really good. It really did. And there are some effects in this that look great. Like the marionette, I hated, but it looked great. This looks yeah. sort of great. The skeleton at the end, not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this looks pretty great, especially yeah. for the God Emperor. Never looked so good. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Dude, deep cut. Deep cut. Dude, oh my God. I Listen, it, it was me, you, and Paul Atreides laughing at that joke and nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> so as she's being swallowed by a Freddy worm, she screams for Nancy. Nancy hears her and wakes up and literally just like, And I think it's because she has the house with her. Like she brought the paper mache house home. I think so. And she passes out, falls through her chair and into the house. And she grabs a shard of mirror, stabs the worm. In the eye. In the eye. Oh, yeah. I honestly wanted to see One-Eyed Freddy the rest of this movie. Actually, I wish I had thought of what that sentence was going to sound like when I said it, before (laughs) I said it. But I mean actual Freddy with just an eye patch. Like, I want Pirate Freddy is all I'm saying. But also, One-Eyed Freddy, great band name, great production company name. Ooh, I like where this is going. So she tells her run. She asks her to get them out. So Nancy wakes up again with a cut on her hand and Kristen wakes up back at the hospital. She comes to the hospital and brings the house diorama, the paper mache house to Kristen and tells her, like, I used to live in this house. I don't know how you know about it, but like, have you ever pulled somebody into your dream? And Kristen says that she always used to pull her dad in when she would have bad dreams and he would think they were his dreams and he would make her dreams better, but it stopped when her parents got divorced. Which I think has to mean her dad is dead, right? (laughs) Because she can pull people from outside her dreams into her dreams. It doesn't matter where they are, right? She can only pull him into her dreams every other weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Freddie controls the custody rights of her (laughs) dreams. Oh, Freddy's the stepdad she never wanted. Turns out her real dad is Freddy, and he went out to get more blade gloves and never came home. (laughs) Anyway, she asks Nancy, she's like, he's real, isn't he? And Nancy's like, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Strange turn of events. So... We cut to group therapy where they introduce Nancy and they kind of go around to who is all there. We meet Taryn and Joey and Jennifer, who is the one who wants to be famous. And this is where they reveal that they have a group psychosis. And Phil reveals something that I think is really, really interesting. 
is that they were all having the same dreams before they met. Yeah. Well, which is, I think, showing that what Mikey was saying normally happens when people say they have shared dreams is not happening because they didn't know each other and they were all brought here because they were having the same dream. And that's when they first met. Right. And this is where the one of the doctors who's like the worst is basically like, your dreams are just byproducts of guilt and overt sexuality. And I'm like, what the fuck is she saying? Yeah, that's Dr. <laughs> like, Sims. Oh, she's even worse than Gordon. Yeah, Dr. Sims is like the evil doctor. And imagine how evil Dr. Sims has to be to make Dr. Gordon look good. Because Dr. Gordon's terrible too. Yes, welcome to the Psychiatric Malpractice Institute. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't cover this in the movie, but Dr. Sims was actually transferred there after at her last job she built a swimming pool with no ladder and left a bunch of her patients in it (laughs) and then just tried to make them fuck (laughs) it's like the sims video game guys come on you guys you guys get the joke (laughs) they knew it you didn't have to explain it anyway we cut to will's room will is the one in a wheelchair he's the wizard yeah he is he is a dungeon master aka grand wizard yeah Ooh, i don't know in the south that has a different meaning for oh uh, no yeah. you're right i'm yeah, so let's sorry not call him a grand wizard yeah let's just say he's a wizard yeah expert expert wizard pussy wizard yeah ladies his legs don't work with that dick do and even if it doesn't <laughs> he got fingers there are many ways to please people and a mouth Yay. So he's dungeon mastering a game of Dungeons and Dragons with Taryn and Joey. Yeah. And he makes Taryn because she rolls to defeat a demon. And then he makes her call out in the name of Lorik, Prince of Elves, demon be gone. And then he reveals that because of the he says cock of the demon, which I don't know. Rooster, dick, unclear. Paige, you know what the cock of the demon is. Come on now. (laughs) It's just it's 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 when you have sex in the morning. It's like hair of the dog. <laughs> Here, this will take care of the hangover from the sex the night before. <laughs> you got a little toast on you. We'll give you a little cock of the demon. This is the post toast coitus. Post toast coitus. Yeah. Whatever the cock of the demon is, it's resulted in her horse being trapped. Yeah. And she basically is like, "This is stupid," and goes to bed. Uh, so Joey and Will start to get ready for bed and Max basically tells them it's lights out and we find out that they're taking shifts for who is awake to keep the other one safe. I mean, honestly, it sort of broke my heart that she just walked away when Artax was dying. <laughs> Oof, that's why I don't watch that movie. That scene. It's so rough, man. Yeah. I can't. I can't get through it. It's so sad. Anyway. We cut to Nancy and Dr. Gordon having fancy Thai food, the best Thai food in Springwood. And she tells him that her mother passed away. She died in her sleep because, you know, we kind of know what happened a little bit from the first movie and that she and her dad had a falling out after. And then she tries to tell Neil, Dr. Gordon, these kids are in danger from their dreams. And I recommend... Yeah, (laughs) just until we get it under control. But Dr. Gordon's not on board. He's like, I can't prescribe a, you know, experimental drug or whatever. Yeah. Cut back to the hospital where the puppets in Phil's room, the ones that he's made, start to grow faces. So the puppet grows into real life Freddy. He slashes Phil and he slashes down his arms and legs and then hangs him by like essentially like his 
like veins, his yeah, muscles, tendons and stuff. I mean, he turns him into a marionette. It's cool. It's yeah. so creepy and it looks so good. Like I was irked out this entire scene or sequence. Oh yeah, it's it is mega creepy and he hangs him like a marionette, like a puppet. Yeah. And then he walks him through the hallway past the nurse's station. But she doesn't see him. Which, how do you not see a kid walking? I mean, I realize that I guess he's dreaming the marionette veins and stuff. Yeah. But he's walking like that down the hallway. Like, how would you not see that? He also, like, passes through the door at the end of the hallway like he's not corporeal. Oh, yeah. All right. So there's some stuff at, at play here. That's fair. Yeah, especially because they are locked on that floor. That's yeah. why no one can get up there to help him. Yeah. So... He ends up walking and Joey sees him out through the window up a couple floors on a ledge, like on a window ledge. Yeah, almost like a bell tower. It looks sort of like a bell tower. Yeah, about to walk out and essentially fall from the building. Yeah. And so Joey wakes up wheelchair dude. He runs to the nurse and wakes her up, wakes everyone up. Like Joey does his due diligence to try and get as many people on board as he can and All they can do, essentially, at that point, no one can get to him fast enough. They all watch from the window as he falls to his death, which is very, very sad. I did think it was sort of nice when Will was like, I wish you would step back from that ledge, my (laughs) friend. friend. We could cut ties with all the puppets you've been living with. (laughs) I don't know. We need to be doing more Kiss from a Rose parodies. Oh, there used to be a tall building that I could jump off. And you became the guy with the phone and the SWAT. And I am sad about losing my job. But did you know that back at home, I have killed my wife and my kids are also drowned in the tub. I'm gonna jump from this bridge up here and I'm gonna die. Ooh, don't you know I lost my job and yeah, I have been staying at home, lying about work for six months. This is our new hit, the Family Annihilator song. (laughs) Guys, know the warning signs. Spoiler alert. It's killing it. <laughs> Can I just say hi to the patrons real quick? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We cut to them having group and they're like, I want us to talk about what happened last night. The first thing Kincaid says is he wasn't strong enough, so he got wasted. Yeah. Okay, so I think he was talking about Freddy. I think so too. I think in the context, we know he's talking about Freddy, but if you don't know Freddy exists, that sounds bonkers offensive. Yeah. (laughs) So I think his was okay. We quickly go to other places very soon. Yes, because literally they're they're all like, hey, they were he was having to fight and he lost. And then Nancy jumps in and is like, this is what he wants to turn us against each other. This is how it it happens. And Dr. Gordon's like, I, I don't understand what y'all are talking about, but yeah, okay. Well, Dr. Sims is like, it was a sleepwalking accident, which also, if he's prone to sleepwalking, why have they not taken precautions? I think they did, and Freddie unlocked all of it. I think it, I think it shows it during the scene, yeah. That could be. Then Will basically says, no, I could see him. He was awake all the way down, and they're like, well, then it was suicide, and now we're going to call him a coward yeah. because we're the worst. <laughs> also, night terror people, people who have night terrors and stuff, they their eyes are open. 
Yeah, well, and also, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of uh, comedian Mike Birbiglia, but he made an entire movie about he has... Sleepwalk with me. It's great. Sleepwalk with me. It's great. He has a sleep disorder, and he walked out of a second-story window in a hotel. And that's part of why he ended up having to sleep in a pod. It's a whole thing. Anyway, so they're trying to say, like, it's murder. You guys are assholes. And Dr. Sims was like, hey, keep that up, and I'll build another pool. (laughs) And she's like, all the doors will be locked, much like that pool with no exit. Yeah. And we're going to sedate everybody. And they all freak out because then that means they're stuck in the dream and they can't get out. They're just pretty much sitting ducks for Freddy at that point. Yeah. Right. And so Dr. Gordon argues with her and is like, I'm going to prescribe hypnosil. (laughs) And she reluctantly agrees to do that. And... We cut to Kincaid, who is in essentially solitary, and he's basically singing his stay awake all night song, which you're just like, brutal, uh, that that's how he's been staying stay awake. Wanna stay awake. Ah, wanna go. fight this guy all, all night. night and kill all Freddy all day. I like, to, I like <laughs> to think of them and make y'all sing. We cut to the TV room where Jennifer is watching TV and Max finds her and it's after lights out. And he's like, first of all, read a book. Stop watching so much TV. And she's like, I got to do research. And he basically says, okay, I'm not supposed to leave you up after lights out. But like, if you don't tell anybody I saw you, you can stay up. And so he agrees to let her stay, which this makes two because he let her stay up. Yeah. And then what happens to her in the next scene happens. We'll get to it. But then also at the end, he lets Nancy in, which results in more deaths like all of these deaths could be connected to Lawrence Fishburne. Morpheus does not learn his lesson here. No. So we cut to another nurse that's not Max, another male nurse, and he catches Taryn outside the oh, bathroom. This guy is uber creepy, and I was upset he didn't yeah. die. Me too, because we find out that he pulled night duty and he has the keys to the pharmaceutical cabinet, and he's trying to get Taryn to do drugs with him. Yeah. He was like, let's go get some pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and she basically says, stay out of my face or I'll go straight to Max, which is Lawrence Fishburne. And he's like, they would never believe a junkie like you. And she runs away from him. It's real messed. He is, he has bad intentions. And it's real predatory. Like, it's gross behavior. Yeah, it's super gross. But it's fine because he gets away with it. (laughs) (laughs) The 80s were a real time, man. No, he does, Mikey. He, like, this scene exists to set up that she used to be a heroin addict. Right. He no, he never has consequences for being a shitty dude. Like, you would think he would be one of the ones that gets killed, but he he's not. But she is. She does die later. Yeah. So we cut back to Jennifer watching TV, and she finds a cigarette in the, like, bowl of fruit on the table, which to me was the first indicator of, oh, this is a dream. She's already in the dream because they took her cigarette privileges away. Yeah, they wouldn't have had cigarettes there. You're right. I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. Wait, wait, wait. Cigarettes where? There's like an ashtray bowl on the table. Mm -hmm. I mean, hospitals let people smoke a lot. But she specifically doesn't have cigarette privileges. And they talked Uh, about it earlier in the movie. Yeah. So she burns herself with one of the cigarettes to stay awake, but she's still falling asleep. And she's falling asleep to an interview with Zsa Zsa Gabor. And my favorite thing ever is... Is the interviews continuing where like 
the guy giving the interviews, asking her questions. And then he just says one more question. And then he turns into Freddie and just as Freddie goes, who gives a fuck what you think? And I was just like, I laughed so hard. So I was like, honestly, good on Zsa Zsa Gabor for being like, wait, what is he going to say to me? Oh, hell yeah. I'm on board for this. There's a whole story about really? that interview scene. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. From what I know of Zsa Zsa Gabor, which is, Honestly, not very much is that she was a lot of a person. Relentless bitch. Yeah. Yes. Okay. The, you said it. I didn't. But yeah, what you said. You'll notice she's <laughs> listed in the credits as the same level of billing as most of the children. Yeah, she is. Despite being on screen for like less than 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a story about how she ended up in this movie. I will say this scene. Did the hospital not get suspicious about this? I mean, like, this would be a pretty hard... Oh, yeah, there's no way she... I mean, she would have had to run at that TV and jump headfirst into it. Yeah. Because she's, like, feet off the ground. I mean, first of all, the practical effects of the the hands and then Freddy's head out of the TV... So cool. Amazing. I love this Loved sequence. It too. It's so great. But this should have been the first clue that something else is going on because Max discovers her and we get a shot of it. And it's a very unnerving shot of her hanging out of the television three or four feet off the ground with nothing around her that she could have stood on. Like there's no way she got up there. She couldn't have even jumped that high. Yeah, no, exactly. And so the fact that no one looks at this and is like something weird is up is wild. Yeah, I would have absolutely known something was up. Right. But also, as he pulls her head into the TV, he does say, Welcome to primetime, bitch. <laughs> it's the funniest shit ever. Oh, man. That's so good. I literally went, <laughs> like, I just laughed. It's, it was so funny. It's so great. We cut to her funeral. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. I'm so sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> I don't I'm know. so sorry. But this is the first time we see Freddie's mom undercover. Right. Because Dr. Gordon is crying. He's seen her in the hallway, but this is the first time we talk to her. And she just kind of orbs up behind him and introduces herself as Sister Mary Helena and says that she works at the hospital when she's needed and that the only thing that will save the children is the unquiet spirit must be put to rest, which is Freddie's spirit. And as she's talking to him nancy walks up and nancy's like who are you talking to what are you doing here because there's no one there's multiple funerals in this movie and every single time dr gordon's just like i'm gonna bone out for a second and no one thinks it's weird <laughs> like he leaves like every funeral in this movie early well, not even he doesn't even leave them early he just walks 40 feet away from them and stands on and lingers um, you losers stay the whole funeral? We cut to Nancy's <laughs> house where they're having a candlelight dinner with her Malaysian dream doll that supposedly brings good dreams. And she is like, hey, maybe you're ready for the truth. And I just need you to trust me. And he's like, well, good thing you buttered me up with a candlelight dinner beforehand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything to get up in them guts. Uh, sure, I trust you. <laughs> I know. I, like, she's like, now that we've had sex and I've catered, let me tell you this crazy thing that's actually happening. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it's not her turning over in bed to tell him, but it may as well be. <laughs> I just don't know why they didn't go that far. They should have just went for it. I mean, because that would have been even funnier for her to just be like, I feel like I really know you now. By the way, the dreams are all real and the scary man with the glove is after me. 
I don't know why she turned into Judy Garland. I honestly, I love it. <laughs> well, like he believes because he fights the skeleton at the end or whatever with her dad. He meets her dad like real quick. Yeah, she introduces him way too fast. I mean, come and on. He meets her dad real quick and then they go full army of darkness in the middle of that junkyard. <laughs> they did. I was sad she died because like that's a real good bonding experience. And like he could have been in with the parents. You know what I'm saying? Well, the parents are dead. So. Right. Well, I mean, if, if some people would have lived. Right, right, right. He'll be like toasting at their wedding and be like, I remember when I met. I remember when Neil and I met fighting that skeleton. <laughs> yeah. Of the child molester murderer that I murdered <laughs> that, that in my I, youth. That I murdered And then he came youth. back and murdered my children in their dreams. And you know what? This man didn't ask questions. He supported my family. He supported yeah. my daughter. And that's why I'm okay with this 50-year-old man marrying my 24-year-old daughter. Come come to find out, that skeleton we murdered was the son of a thousand maniacs. Who'd have thought? That's also not how pregnancy works. We got to cover that later, though. And now now we'll do a reading from 1 Corinthians. (laughs) (laughs) Love is patient. Love is kind. Love will show up in a junkyard with you and dig a grave for buried bones and then fight those bones to the death. Love keeps no records of faults or how many skeletons you've had to kill together. (laughs) Some families have skeletons in their closet, but only some son-in-laws will literally fight them for us. (laughs) All of these things I command of you, but the greatest of these is killing those skeletons. (laughs) Now we'll light the unity candle. We're going to pour sand into the jar. <laughs> Finally, a Bible I can believe in. I would be at that wedding. I'd be like, this is what? Yes. <laughs> if this is the ceremony, I can't wait for the reception. <laughs> I'm at the dead eye table. What table are you at? <laughs> I'm so glad you used dead eye. Oh, why do they give these favors? They're all gloves with blades. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they cut the cake. just one finger down now i'm mad i didn't do that at my wedding damn it (laughs) guys i have to cut this from the podcast because we are gonna sell a glove that one of them is a knife and the other three are a cake (laughs) server (laughs) (laughs) we have to cut this from the podcast we cannot we gotta cut it give them engraved with your wedding date (laughs) (laughs) we should do one of grill tools (laughs) (laughs) and now i'm just picturing freddie marrying someone and just being like till death do us part (laughs) (laughs) anyway so we cut to like an unofficial group therapy meeting straight talk only and nancy is basically like i know he's trying to kill you all of your delusions are real don't listen to anybody (laughs) it's freddie he was a child murderer and then he became something worse and six years ago he killed all my friends but you're the last of the elm street children your parents participated and that's why this is happening and they're like they've never mentioned that and i'm like Typically, parents don't mention when they murder someone and burn them alive. I did love that they said that. Like, what did you do tonight? Oh, I don't know, honey. We just murdered a guy and buried his bones in a junkyard. We just stone cold burned this dude alive. Don't worry about it. Uh, (laughs) So she then tells them that Kristen is the key to defeating Freddy because she can pull other people into their dreams and that all of them have a dream power. We just don't know what it is yet. And so they decide to hypnotize the group 
so they can all go into a shared dream. Yeah, it's a solid plan, I guess. Like you do. Yeah. Like you do at key parties, whatever. You never <laughs> been to a shared dream party? So they all fall asleep and wake up. And at first they think that they've that it didn't work. Right. We'll try again, guys. Right. And Gordon is even like, you need to face reality. And it's like, hey, asshole, if you ever want to see this puss again, can you lay off like... Calm down. We just started. So as they're in the room, the nurse beckons Joey away, the one that he was kind of following in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, like they had like a little playful flirtation as much as you could when you don't talk and you have a Sharpie teardrop on your face. (laughs) Right. Occasionally. Yeah. There's a personal attack against my game. (laughs) That's how I know Mikey's flirting. He has Sharpie to teardrop (laughs) under his right eye. Look out for it at the meetup, guys. (laughs) Uh, But so the nurse kind of like has him follow her into a room. And then she's like, I just wanted to get you alone for a second. I like you. And I just want to see you. You're so cute. Let me just take all my clothes off really quick and lay on top of you. Yeah. Uh, Clearly a dream. Uh, And as the rest of the group is about to try again, they have another pendulum in the room and it floats. Yeah. Revealing that they're all in the dream. It's not a pendulum. It's Newton's cradle because it's like the balls going back and forth and then they like explode around the room, which is honestly for 87, a really cool effect. It was cool. Plus, it was timed right at the same time as Joey's balls were exploding just one room over. (laughs) Oh, is this happening at the same time as Joey's sexual encounter? Yeah. What he couldn't say was, you're going to need to give me five to seven more minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So as they're kind of realizing that they may be in a dream world, Will in the wheelchair gets up and walks around and just (laughs) says, I am the wizard master. Well, he also says, in my dreams, I can walk. And then Gimli stands up and he goes, in my dreams, I have my axe. And then Legolas is like, and my bow. (laughs) And then that girl comes out and she's like, I'm hot now and I have a pocket knife. (laughs) And then then they're like, what can you do, Patricia Arquette? And she's like, watch my stunt double. I know Jim (laughs) Cotta. I know Jim <laughs> And then, how about you, Kincaid? And he's just like, I pity this chair. Like, <laughs> <laughs> See, these people are thinking small. I'd be in that group and they'd be like, all right. And then I just grow to like 90 feet tall. And I'm like, this is what I can do. Yeah, you're like Ant-Man. <laughs> or like you can fly. Or like a cool superpower. Yeah. What if your dream superpower was just that you could kill Freddy? <laughs> like, or or that Freddy can't kill you? <laughs> like, Ooh. one of the two. Honestly, another really good superpower would be Dave from the Patreonical superpower. Just dying and coming back to yeah, life. Because even if Freddy does kill you, you can come back to life. I mean, as we know from the Endless, that's more of a curse than a power. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And the Patreonicals. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we cut back to... We cut back to Joey and the nurse and she bite they're making out and she bites him and it's implied that she pulls his tongue out but it's a very comical amount of tongue. Yeah, it's like he was chewing big league chew and got the whole pack in his mouth and she's pulling it out now. But also, you want to match the girl's level of tongue. You don't want to go too much tongue like this. This is a rookie right. mistake for Joey. Yeah, he gives her way too much tongue, Mikey. That's the problem here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she went 9,000 and he went 10. <laughs> because she then spits bits of tongue to tie him to the bed. Which yeah. I was like, put it on the bucket list. <laughs> 
And then she turns into Freddy and he's just, what's wrong, Joey? Feeling tongue tied. <laughs> I think the biggest nightmare ever would be having sex with a beautiful woman who turns into Freddy Krueger. Um, you've unlocked a fun fact. What? Oh, uh, how is that possible? <laughs> originally, this scene was supposed to be that nurse with Freddy's makeup on and her bare chest with Robert England voicing it over. All right, I'm not not into that. <laughs> they tried to do it and they actually shot it with her wearing Freddy's makeup. But apparently the image of Freddy with boobs looked too silly when they filmed it. So they threw the idea out and just had it be Freddy. All right. Yeah. I can see why they did that. I'd love to see those dailies, though. I just want to see what that looks like. <laughs> Me I bet too. it's bonkers. <laughs> That's the funniest thing ever. Like, <laughs> when I read that, I was just like, what? Yeah. I love Halloween, so here we are. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that'd be a very amazing deep cut Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> the lights in the group room flicker and Kristen just says he's close he's in the halls he's got Joey and then that room kind of like melts and disintegrates around them so they can't get out Kincaid's trying to push the wall but it burns them they can't get out and we cut to Dr. Sims showing up being like who let you guys out of that pool and she tries to wake joey who is passed out in the middle of the room but he has fallen into a coma and there's nothing they can do yeah because he's technically suspended above the gates to hell i guess mm, the boiler yeah. oh yeah that's probably the boiler good point or the broiler so he can get a nice crust yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta drop it he's been seasoned so Dr. Sims is mad that they didn't invite her to their dream party and <laughs> fires Dr. Gordon and Nancy because she's like, hey, two people have died by suicide or what they believed was suicide. And one guy's in a coma since you got here. So get your asses out. Yeah. She was like, I heard you called them a coward for attempting suicide. <laughs> she was there. She was yeah, like, that's not what this is about. This is definitely just about y'all not locking the door. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then she's like, I'm afraid you brought this on yourself. And he's literally like, please try to help the kids. <laughs> Uh, and so they leave. They go out to their cars. And as Dr. Gordon's getting in his car, he sees a picture of him with the kids and he's just like, oh, and as he looks up, he sees the nun in the window yeah. and he's just like, Patrick Wilson, is that you? I'm coming. And so he uses a rock to break in. He climbs the stairs to what I think is the church tower or at least a tower on one of the wings of the hospital. It looked like it was a bell tower to me. Yeah, well, he gets up there into like the attic slash junk room <laughs> and the sister is lighting candles. Yeah. And she says, this is where it began. This wing has been closed for years, but it was purgatory fashioned at the hands of men. And this was a wing for, quote, the worst of the criminally insane, where they didn't actually treat them. They just locked people away yeah. forever. Mm -hmm. And the whole facility was shut down in the 40s for widespread abuse. But at one point, a young girl, one of the nurses, was accidentally locked there over the holidays and the inmates kept her captive and sexually assaulted her many, many times. And when they came back to let her out, they found her barely alive and now she is pregnant. And that girl was Amanda Kruger, 
Freddie was, quote, the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Yeah, that is the dialogue there, but that is wildly inaccurate as to how pregnancy works. Yeah. I will say this, and these are jokes, everyone. This is a sensitive topic. Oh, no, I'm worried. Out of a hundred people, not one of them wanted to step up and be a father. (laughs) (laughs) That's a horrifying take. I will say it doesn't matter uh, which one of the hundred this woman has been brutally assaulted and needs so much help and compassion. (laughs) Yeah, I hope she got it. She seemed like she was... Okay, and that she lived to be an old person before she died. Well, she lived to be a nun, but full full disclosure, it's the 40s, at least. It's the 40s. When she, when this is happening to her, no, she didn't get compassion. They definitely forced her to have that baby yeah. and then give it up for adoption and become a nun. It's a horrible, horrible story. But he still has her name, so I guess maybe she got to raise him as a nun? I don't know. I think we find out later, if you look at her headstone, she changed her name. It was like Sister Margaret something. It's it's Sister Mary Helena, but that yeah. happens whenever you join a monastic organization. Well, that's what I mean. So, like, if she gave birth to Freddy Krueger and then changed her name, he could have been in the foster system and she could have been... Just like living under her new name, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily the same as changing your name formally. Uh, like your okay. le- your legal name is still your legal name. Okay. But she could have given him up for adoption and then joined the sisterhood. I guess, but then he wouldn't have had the last name Kruger. Because in the 40s, they probably had orphanages and stuff. So they probably did keep his name. Yeah, very likely the church had an orphanage. So he was probably raised at the church with her in the orphanage. But at the time, the Catholic Church was notorious for just adopting children out without getting actual consent from parents. But in all of those cases, he would have never kept the last name. So at some point, she either raises him or he grows up in the orphanage with her to keep that last name, I would guess. This is a lot of analysis. Yeah. Anyway, he (laughs) came up and became Freddy Krueger. He became Freddy Krueger. And some people say he was murdered, but no body was ever found. And then Gordon is like, you said something before about laying him to rest. And she says that you have to find his remains and bury him in hallowed ground. And she says, if your only faith is in science, it may be you who is laid to rest. Also, this hospital has been closed for 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) This hospital has been dead for 40 years. I love your old man voice. Thank you. It's my only impression. Back at the hospital, Nancy's visiting Joey And she's like yelling at Freddy, a.k.a. Joey's unconscious body, where she's just like, let go of him. And no one thinks it's weird. No one's like dragging her away like, hey, didn't we fire you? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Well, the thing that is like bonkers is what he carves into his chest. Yeah. Come and get him, bitch. And nobody says anything about it. Yeah, nobody's like, how'd he get these cuts? You were the only one in here. Clearly you did it. I mean, absolutely. You would be dragging Nancy out like, why did you cut him up, arrest this woman? But they don't. Nobody notices them. Also, he doesn't have them later, so maybe they don't actually happen. Maybe she dreamed it. Yeah, maybe it's just a hallucination. That's my one problem about Friday the 13th is the rules change all the time, and then like they break their own rules. Do you mean Nightmare on Elm Street? (laughs) I was going to say, this is Nightmare. Man, what a a rookie mistake. You just pulled a Todd. (laughs) I don't know, but Mike Myers is great in this. I'm Uh, so ashamed. (laughs) Yeah, I love uh, Goldfinger. I love when Jason has his one-liners. No. In this one. I mean, Freddy's one of the only slashers with one-liners, and I love it. Yeah. I love old James Bond with James Bond one-liners. I love early Arnold Schwarzenegger movies with one-liners. 
I'm a one-liner kind of gal. Yeah. So we cut to Gordon and Nancy are basically talking about what they're going to do. She's like, I have to go in and get Joey, but we also have to find a way to get rid of Freddie's remains. How do we do that? And Nancy's like, well, there's only one person who would know where they, where they are, and it's time for him to talk. So they're going to go talk to her dad. And of course, they find him at a local pub. I wondered for a second if it was the bar from the second film. I don't think it is. But I do think the scene with Taryn in the dream sequence where it says Jake's bar. Yeah. I think that is the bar from the second film. The, the S&M bar that he walks into. Yeah, you might be right. <gasps> yeah. So we cut to the hospital where Kristen is flipping out because she found out that they fired Nancy and Dr. Gordon and they're going to sedate her and they're going to basically send everyone to bed, put her in the quiet room and sedate her. So meanwhile, Nancy and Gordon go to a bar, meet up with her dad and her dad's like, Freddie's not back, he's dead and you never understood that. And Gordon basically tosses him against a wall and is like, fuck you, we're going to go find him. Meanwhile, their beepers go off. Because it's 1987. Because it's 1987. Yeah. It's a call from Taryn, and she's basically like, it's Kristen. They put her under and sedated her. You have to come help us. So at this point, Gordon and Dad are going to go find the remains, and Nancy is going to go wrangle everyone else up and try and get to Kristen in the dream world. Right. Uh, Kristen is falling asleep. She's been sedated. And she's in the quiet room. And she's in the quiet room. Dad and Dr. Gordon drive to a church. He dumps out the dad's like secret stash bottle in the car, fills it with holy water, and then gets back in the car. I do love that he also steals that cross. Oh, he cross, steals a cross. And the father is like, <laughs> what are you doing? And he's like, I'm good for it. Here's my ID. I'll bring it back. <laughs> Here's my driver's <laughs> license. I'm just taking this cross for a test drive. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize you could like rent a cross like you rent a library book. I was like, oh, cool. Well, there's you know, until you try it. Yeah. I mean, what if you're like, you take the cross and you're like, I'm more of a Buddhism kind of person. <laughs> Let me give this back to you. <laughs> so we cut to Nancy gets to the hospital and she's talking to Max and she's like, I need to see Kristen. And he's like, Dr. Sim says no, but also every one of my kids that I care about keep dying around you. So it's a hard pass. And then she's like, uh, I realize that you want to protect the kids. I get that. That's cool. That's great of you. Do you mind if I had to go talk to all of them? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, wait, what? That is the opposite of what you literally just said, Morpheus. Max <laughs> is like, you've got two options. One, you can never see these kids again. One, I'm definitely going to let you see these kids right now. Which of these pills do you want to take? <laughs> <laughs> I love the shot where you saw the pills reflected back in his sunglasses. <laughs> Such a cool shot. She's like falling backwards, dodging his insults as they fly through the air. Oh anyway, so we cut to the junkyard and her dad is like, I hate it here where no one would ever find it, including me, potentially. So they go into the junkyard and he's like, we got to go deep in the heart of the place. Take it slow. As if they're going into Mordor or some shit. I did think it was funny, though. I mean, he is like shit faced and he doesn't <laughs> really know where it is because it was a long time ago. I have you find it. I, I put it here. I'll find it. I'll I know where it is. <laughs> I find it for so we cut to a group meeting, straight talk only. Only straight talk, baby. Uh, Paige, it's Pride Month. Can we just be a little inclusive here? Inclusive talk only. 
<laughs> so everyone is there except for Kristen and Joey because Joey's still in and Kristen is in the quiet room. Yeah. And so they start the pendulum. They're all going to go in with their dream powers to try and rescue them. So as they count back, Kristen also falls asleep and they all appear in the quiet room together now in the dreamscape. And my favorite is they're like, how do we find Freddy? And literally as they're saying it, they start to rip the padded walls apart. <laughs> like <Right>. Fred, Freddy's <laughs> immediately there. You don't need to look for him. But Freddy basically separates them where Kristen ends up back in her room, just like at the beginning of the movie, making the paper mache house. And we get like a recap of the first scene playing out with her mom. But she like stops to give her mom a hug. It's this whole thing. But then as that's happening, Freddie decapitates her mom. Yeah, so funny. And then holds up the mom's head. And the mom is like, I can't even get a date. You ruin everything. I've got a guest downstairs. And you're just and then like. Freddie's like, where's my bourbon, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard. I couldn't stop laughing. Because her mom is just the worst. It's like every bad thing she said the whole time. She's like, you want attention? And the shrink told me that you just want attention. And Freddie's just like holding the head there, taunting yeah. her. Uh, so she decides to run and like karate jump off the wall and then like back handspring through a window and then down some stairs into Nancy's house. Yeah, she Jimkata's her way out of the situation. Exactly. And she calls for Nancy. Nancy can't hear her, but Taryn does hear her and walks through the house trying to find her and walks into an alley where she sees Jake's bar, which again, I think is the one from the second movie. And she's already hot, so she just needs to be bad and takes out her pocket knives. Oh, she has the worst superpower ever. And a guy in a coat walks down the alley and passes her. And as she's kind of walk- watching him, she turns and runs right into Freddy. And then it becomes the bad music video for like 30 seconds. I, I feel like she's the planeteer of that's heart, you know, because they all have like badass powers. And she's like, <laughs> I've got a pocket knife. They're like, earth, fire, wind, water, heart. self-esteem and small sharp things Uh, but she ends up stab they like dance west side story dance knife fight and she does end up stabbing him but then freddie pulls back and shows her his hands are now all needles and her track marks start to look like mouths it's oh so gross i was like oh and they're like going so gross yeah they're like popping And he stabs all of his needle fingers into her. And it like injects. That shot was actually pretty cool because you see them like going into her. I was like, oh, that actually looks pretty good. This movie goes so hard because, yeah, when it injects it and then he's making like an O face the whole time. Oh, yeah. That is definitely his money shot. And then he says, what a rush. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, oof. So they hear her scream. Will hears her. And then he hears Freddy's laugh and he turns and looks down the hall where he sees an evil wheelchair. This is so problematic. If you think this movie doesn't have an evil devil wheelchair, you're wrong because it does. Yeah, it's like a combination of a wheelchair and a lawnmower. It's like a lawnmower wheelchair electric chair combo. (laughs) He even says, I'm going to give you the chair. That's the best. He's like, give him the chair. And I'm just like, oh my God, Freddie. And then he says, it's the chair for you, kid. Like the electric chair. Yep. And then Will just goes, I am the wizard master. (laughs) And then he shoots what he looks like force lightning at him. 
He just yeah. Well, he ex- he first he ex- he explodes the chair. That's right. I'm sorry. You're right. But he gains a coat with the biggest shoulder pads on it. Oh, and it, like it looks like a wizard coat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm no longer Will the Gray. I'm Will the White. <laughs> and then Freddy just comes up and he's like, Well, this is gonna be a pity killing because I just, you just, I'm sorry, you just can't. He just stabs a regular. It was like the most uninspired. He's like, I'm just. He's like, I feel awkward about this, so I'm just gonna kill you and move on. He yells. He does the like in the name of Lord Prince of Elves, Demon Be Gone. We got to your door. Four more wizards come to Mordor. Don't step to <laughs> us because we're the number one sorcerers. But then like, <laughs> I don't. Know what just happened but i never wanted to stop yeah <laughs> it's workaholics oh, okay. uh, we need to we need to watch the wizard rap after this okay. but so then he just straight stabs him yeah freddy's like oh you big dork and then just kills him like a normal. <laughs> he just like he's like oh you know what i'm doing you a favor <laughs> yeah, yeah he's like i'm saving your friends from seeing how embarrassing yeah, yeah. This he's like is. i am a demon that kills people in their dreams and i cringed enough where i just want to kill you <laughs> i've got my own thing i don't know what your wizard thing <laughs> is <laughs> so he stabs him meanwhile Kristen is wandering through the house and finds nancy and then through the wall, Kincaid breaks through into the room dressed as Mr. T. And they're like, well, where's Freddy? And he just says, it's time to stop guessing and start messing. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> yes, Kincaid. Yes. And he says that we got to kick some Kruger pussy, which is amazing. Oh. As they're yelling. Uh, a metal boiler door floats in the middle of the room, which is a practical effect and looks very, very cool. It does look very, very cool. Uh, there's a lot of great, cool, practical effects. Yeah. In fact, the ones I think don't hold up are the ones that are probably done by computer, right? There are almost no computer effects in this movie. Almost every single thing is practical. I assume the skeleton at the end, the fight scene with the skeleton was computered. That's stop motion. Okay, so stop motion. Even the, like, wizard blast, I think, is... Drawn on? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, like the the way they did force lightning like back in the day yeah um so it's a metal boiler door and it opens to reveal basically down into the boiler and Be- kincaid just goes let's snuff this sucker and i'm just like damn right mr t <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile back at the junkyard they find an old cadillac that the bones are hidden in the trunk and her dad lights a cigarette and just watches Dr. Gordon try to pry it open with a shovel, even though there's other cars on top of it. Like, he shouldn't be able to open it. But of course he does. <laughs> he, he does. And as he's trying to do that, Nancy's dad tries to leave and he reveals that he has the keys so that the dad can't leave. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to drunk drive out of here while you uh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. And he says that you're about to attend a funeral. Yeah. Cut to Nancy and the kids walk deeper into the boiler where they see Joey roasting over like the gates of boil. Like, I don't know. And we hear Freddy scratching along the metal walls with his nails and they're like, let him go. And so Freddy just starts undoing the tongues. Nancy rushes down in time to catch his arm Kristen Jim Cotta's Freddy out of the way for a second and Kincaid pulls Nancy and Joey up. So now there's the four of them and then Kincaid takes out Freddy with a pipe or tries to and he starts choking Kincaid as Nancy stabs Freddy through the stomach. He pulls it out and licks his own blood off of it. Ugh. And he says, the souls of the children give me strength and pulls open his shirt to reveal tiny screaming faces. Yeah, I was not expecting that. He's pregnant. 
He's Perganonant. <laughs> He's got <laughs> nine babies, like a little like puppy, like a puppy litter. <laughs> it's just a litter of children's souls. That's why you have to get your Freddy spayed and neutered. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, back at the junkyard, they pull the bones out of the trunk, and Freddy from down in the boiler vanishes. And up in the junkyard, they hear a noise. Someone else is out there. They hear the sounds of all the cars trying to start around them. And the cars start crashing and trapping them in with the bones. And as it's happening, a deadite from Army of Darkness yeah. <laughs> pops out of that bag of bones. And they have to try and fight and kill it. And that skeleton just wrecks those fools. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Like throws Nancy's dad against that, that car, car. And like the fin of the taillight goes through yes. his chest. Like he is done so. Yeah. Uh, and then he like shovel dances and knocks out Dr. Gordon and tries to bury him. The monster shovel dance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and as soon as he's like, well, he's unconscious and in, in a hole, it like walks back over the bones and then just like Terminator 2 puddles just like bloop, back down into bones. I do love that he shovels stuff onto Go- Dr. Gordon, though. He like throws right. dirt on him. I was like, nice. Nice. But not enough to like bury him. He's fine. Right. So we cut back to the boiler where the kids are trying to find a way out. And because Kristen is sedated, she can't pull them out of the dream. So Freddy shows up in a hall of mirrors and he's in all the mirrors, grabbing them out of the mirror, which is a very simple, practical effect that looks great. It does look really cool. Yeah. And as that's happening, Joey, who's not near any of the mirrors, he kind of crouched in a corner, screams because in his dream, he can yell. Yeah. And Freddy had pulled pretty much everyone else into the mirror, like, or mirrors, because there are various mirrors. Right. So it's just him left. And when he yells, all the mirrors shatter and they fly out of them. Right. And that's him finally orgasming from earlier. (laughs) Oh, my God. So... At this point, Nancy's like, it's over. We killed him. And I'm like, bitch, what would make you think that? You lived through the first movie. What's wrong with you? So they walk through the house. Her dad shows up and he's like, (laughs) I crossed over. I just couldn't go without telling you how sorry I am. I love you so much. And she goes to hug him and it turns into Freddy. He stabs her in the back and like rips part of her throat out. Like it's vicious. Yeah. I mean, he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. It seems like she's super dead. And the door closes, trapping Kristen inside. But as he's coming after Kristen, Nancy pops up and with like one last vestige of strength, stabs Freddy. With his own glove. Yeah, just like back bends his hand. Yeah. As the doctor, Dr. Gordon, climbs out of the grave, he drags the bones into the grave and pours holy water all over them and then blesses it with a cross. So Freddy disappears into like a ball of light. But Nancy is still very dead. Yes. So cut to, we cut to Nancy's funeral. I hate that they killed Nancy. Is she not in any more movies? She's not in any other ones. I was real sad that she died. This was supposed to be the last one. I'll talk about it in a sec. So we cut to Nancy's funeral and the nun is in the graveyard and she kind of leads Dr. Gordon by a specific gravestone where we reveal that she was Amanda Kruger, Sister Mary Helena. And she's been dead for 40 years. 40 years. And we cut to him sleeping that night next to Nancy's Malaysian dream doll and the paper mache house. And a light goes on in one of the rooms of the house. Yeah. And that's the movie. All right. So having seen the movie, having talked about it, what do you guys think about Dream Warrior? 
I love this movie. It's I know. so I much too. fun. It was rad. Horror classic mental health nightmare. It is a mental health nightmare. You're right. But I thought this movie was rad to use in 80s parlance. Yes, 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 yes. It is radical. Um, <laughs> Honestly, when I finished watching it, I was like, cowabunga. <laughs> yes, I loved it. I don't need to say more than that. It's a perfect film. I think we've done two hours and 15 minutes of talking great great things about this movie. I mean, I agree. Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do. Hit us with your fun facts. Freddy, fun Fun facts. facts. As we've covered in a few other movies that we've done, the Freddy glove that was stolen from the set of this film is featured in other movies. So this is the one that's on the work shed in Evil Dead 2, which was released the same year. And it's part of that, like joke between Wes Craven and Sam Raimi um, where the hills have eyes, Evil Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Evil Dead 2 all have kind of like some shared props and nods to each other, which is pretty great. That is great. Despite Wes Craven originally not wanting Nightmare on Elm Street to be a series, he didn't want it to be a franchise, New Line consistently kept asking him to come back and he had said no to part two. He was like, I want nothing to do with it. And then two is bonkers. I love two. Like, it is so great. And honestly, <laughs> I sort of wish we had saved it for Pride Month. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah. Now, for part three, Craven was like, yeah, let me fix whatever the fuck you guys did. <laughs> so he wrote a full script, but New Line Cinema decided not to use it. But the thing that they kept was that his script had Nancy coming back, but allegedly it was way, way darker than what New Line wanted. And so instead, the script was rewritten by Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell, and that's what was used for the final product. And if the name Frank Darabont sounds familiar, it's because he's gone on to win Oscars and Emmys and worked a lot on Walking Dead for a while. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, he wrote Shawshank Redemption. He wrote yes, he The did. Mist. He he uh, he was a writer on The Walking Dead, The Green Mile. Like this dude writes. So the actor who played Kincaid, a uh, guy named Ken Sagos, S A G O E S Sagos. I am not mm-hmm. sure, and I am okay. so sorry if I mispronounced it. So in the real world, he had had smaller TV roles, and he. Didn't really want to do the movie, but his agent convinced him to go to the audition. But in the process of getting there, there was like a storm. He ended up soaked in the rain. It was a pain in the ass to get to the audition. And he was a few hours late. Oh, wow. And was super irritated. And when he came into the room, Chuck Russell told him to do whatever he wanted for the audition. And he just proceeded to cuss him out for like 10 minutes. (laughs) And they hired him immediately. That is fantastic. (laughs) This is great. Uh, So when they were making this movie, New Line decided that most of the budget of the film was going to go to special effects only. And despite the fact that CGI was starting to be available, they still refused to use it. And almost every single effect in the movie is practical. So they built the giant Freddy worm. They have the decomposing pig, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. That was a good one. Um, Yeah. And... They end up being almost more horrifying than they could have done with CG. And there was one that they didn't use. So 
when they first were creating the dummy for the little girl at the beginning. I, that one that one wasn't my favorite. <laughs> well, that's the second version because they told him when they asked for a puppet that would have talked to her as she ran, they told him to think of Auschwitz victims and he spent 10 weeks creating a puppet, but the crew was too upset to use it because it was too grotesque and huge sections of that sequence had to just be scrapped because no one could stand to be around that puppet for long enough to shoot things. Wow. I want to see that puppet. I was not able to find any images of it. I'm sure they exist somewhere, but I could not find any. Wow. Yeah. You would think that that would be a good sign and you need that in your movie, right? It's a horror movie. I mean, I guess, but I think they were just like, it's too much. We have a naked lady with Freddy's face on it in this movie. I think. (laughs) All right. You know, that's fair. So, In the scene where Jennifer dies by being pulled into the television, Freddy's head pops out of the TV and he says, welcome to primetime, bitch. But in the documentary Never Sleep Again, which, by the way, if you're super into Elm Street and you want a ton of fun facts, watch Never Sleep Again, because there's more than I could ever cover here in that documentary. Mm. That line was not in the script, but rather just something Robert England said in one of the takes. Wow, that is awesome. (laughs) That's why he's the best. Freddy forever. Now, when Taryn and Freddy are dance fighting, she accidentally stabs him with the prop knife. And they were prop knives. He didn't get seriously injured, but he did get like bruised. But in that same scene, when she's dying, her head was supposed to explode, but the effect malfunctioned too many times. So they had to cut it from the film. Oh, yeah. It's a real scanners kind of moment. I know. When Will, the master wizard, was going to die, the blades on the glove wouldn't retract. It kept malfunctioning. So instead of delaying the shoot, they just stuck a two by four underneath his shirt, which is why his shoulders are so crazy. (laughs) And just kind of hope for the best. And Robert England just stabbed into that two by four, barely missing it. If he had missed it a couple inches to either side, it would have really injured the actor. But he manages to get it. Robert Englund is a professional. Yeah. Yeah. In the house, when we have that creepy feast with the pig that like moves and snarls at Nancy, it's a real rotten pig carcass. And according to the cast and crew, it made the set smell horrible. And the effects department picked straws to see who had to operate the mechanics under it because no one could stand to be near it for that long. Oh, Yeah. In the boiler room... That room gets filled with smoke, fire, other things, and there was no AC in that room. So it was super hot and hard to breathe. They could only film for a couple minutes at a time in that room. Uh. We talked about Freddie's head on that hot lady. Yeah. But did you know that one of the days on set, Robert England fell asleep in his dressing room in full makeup and awoke in front of a mirror and scared himself shitless. (laughs) Let's talk about Zsa Gabor. Please. So Dick Cavett is the person interviewing Zsa Gabor. And originally in the script, it was Sally Kellerman. But because Dick Cavett was an actual host, they allowed him to pick whoever he wanted to interview. And he picked Zsa Gabor because, quote, he thought she was the dumbest person he'd ever met in his life and he'd never have her on his show in real life. So if there was one. (laughs) What? Todd, you just found a new personal hero. (laughs) 
<laughs> that level of petty is something I really respect. So if there was one person he'd want to see killed by Freddie, it would be her. I guess she did not know that. <laughs> she, I'm sure she didn't know. This didn't come out until much later. Okay. That, that's why he chose her. Wow. I know his friends knew. Oh, yeah. And she was like, it's so nice that they wanted me to like come on there and be on the show. Like it, he, The host got to pick it, and he picked me. Isn't that great? And he's like, listen to this dumb bitch. I can't stand her. She's a fucking worst. <laughs> like, he's whispering that to his friends. Now, if you watched this on VHS. I did. <laughs> then you probably already know that the music video for Dawkins Dream Warriors appears after the credits and the video would contain a ton of scenes from the movie and it ends with the band defeating Freddy, which then flips and Freddy wakes up from his own nightmare and says, who were those guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for one week during filming, it crossed over scheduling wise with Robert England's job on his television series Downtown and so he was working 24 hours every day for that week. What? Yeah, where he would film on his TV series and then would report to Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors at night. That's brutal. It is brutal. The clay puppets, the, the marionettes, uh, were made using stop motion animation by a man named Doug Beswick. And they started with a clay Freddy face and then made it plainer and plainer in each frame and then ran it backwards. Ah, and that's what appears in the final cut of the film. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I mentioned earlier that the mental hospital aspect of this was intentional based on organizations and institutions at the time. Wes Craven actually has said that this wasn't just a riff on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but instead it was actually inspired by those kinds of establishments. Quote, at that time, there was a kind of movement of such places that even advertise on television. Send us your troubled child and we'll make them OK. And essentially they were like prisons or insane asylums. And that's actually correct. That's terrible. It is terrible. But he... In a way, it's almost like he was trying to expose it. That's just not what ended up happening. Yeah. I think in his original draft that was much darker, that probably came through. So this movie was supposed to be the last nightmare movie, and they shot it thinking that would be the case. But there's a deleted scene from the ending. So in the shooting script, we don't know if they actually shot this, but in the shooting draft, which would have been on the list of things to shoot during production, Dr. Gordon visits Kristen after they defeat Freddy, and she says that she's moving to New York, quote unquote, the city that never sleeps. And he asks if she's going to see Nancy in her dreams. And Kristen says that she dreams of her every night, suggesting that Nancy guards her dreams. And then the scene cuts to the ending where he falls asleep and the light goes on in the house. But when they decided that there were probably going to be more nightmare movies, they cut that intervening scene out so that it doesn't look like Nancy is guarding Gordon's dreams, but rather that Freddy is still alive. Yeah. And those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts. Those were truly, truly awesome. Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget was for A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors? It came out in 1987, if that helps. It came out in 1987 and it was pretty, it's definitely popular with fans. I do think that the second movie may have soured some people. And so it might've been harder to get this one made after that second one. So I'm going to say 12 million. That was the production budget you think? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think it's like six. 
Okay. You, you might be closer. Yeah, yeah, Mikey is closer. It was $5 million. Wow, this looks great for $5 million, it, though. It does. It was 87 though, so like... Money went a long way in the, in the 80s for horror movies. Yeah, I mean, we're talking... Um, let's see. Let me just do a little math here. Yeah, so that would be like $11.7 million today. So it does look good for that amount of money, though. Like, just straight up, it yeah. does. So this movie came out on February 27th, 1987, and it was number one the week it came out. Number two that weekend was Platoon. Number three was Outrageous Fortune. Number four was an episode we've done on Romancing the Pod, Mannequin. And number five <laughs> was Hoosiers. Yeah. Also in theaters that week was Crocodile Dundee, the original Oof. one. And that one had been out for 23 weeks. And it was still in the top 10. It was nine in the theaters. Dude, that movie was huge back in the day. Crocodile Dundee domestic grossed $174 million. It did all right. That's not a glove knife. <laughs> this is a glove knife. <laughs> anyway, what do you think A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 made in its first weekend out? Ooh, I'm going to guess that it made about $4 million its first weekend. I'm going to say one. Okay, it made... million its first weekend out, which would be almost $21 million today. That's great. I mean, that's amazing. It really did very, very well. And it's a great fun movie, so it makes sense. What do you think it went on to make total for its domestic box office run? I'm going to say around 30 mil. Okay. I'm going to say 40. Mikey is closest Wow. 44.7, almost $0.8 million, which if you translated that to today, that's $105.3 million. That's great for for a $5 million investment or I guess the equivalent of almost $12 million, but still, yeah, almost $12 million to $105 million. Hell yeah, that's a great investment. Yeah. It did not get an international release, and I don't have the whole market performance, but I'm sure it did really well there, too. So this, oh, movie, this movie made huge. money. Yeah, but this is the most famous Nightmare on Elm Street. Aside from the original, yeah. yeah. I think you're right, but that's your box office. So, Mikey, let's hit him with that scary scale. All right, listeners, our scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film today. Uh, a 1 example is Ghostbusters, and a 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not a scale of quality, but a scale of how... Scared we were. All right, Paige. Oh, this is a hard one for me. Todd? I'm going to give it a two, but only for the marionette scene, like the whole vein being pulled marionette stuff. I was very, like, squirmy at that scene. Everything else was easy breezy. I'll give it a hard one. I've seen this movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it is how you felt seeing it today. And it was my first watch through. It was your 20th. So it's not going to affect you as much. So this week, you guys made me watch A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. What are you guys making me watch next week? Uh, We're not. It's the listener request. Yeah, that's right. So the listeners picked out of, I thought what, I mean, it seemed like they were a lot of great movies you were telling me. Uh, The finalists for this month's sequel month listener request were The Purge 2, Scream 3, Saw 2, and Doctor Sleep. And Doctor Sleep won pretty convincingly. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. So your homework for next week is to get lost in a maze, freeze to death. And then watch what happens after that in Doctor Sleep. Isn't it a sequel to The Shining? Yeah. Yeah. 
Nice. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at MRandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. It If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. And literally we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd awesome. Well, we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's, Twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Ori was actually Josh Agavor's uh, personal assistant for like three years back in the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah. They have some crazy stories about Jaja. Yeah. This episode is also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you some awesome possum facts. So here's one for you. When possums go into battle... They put on armor, but they're no longer called possums. They're called armadillos. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I love it. (laughs) Armadillos, roll out. They they just grab their back legs and start spinning forward. This episode also brought to you by the letter Jeff. And Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down a new episode of the Jessica Jones Netflix Marvel TV show. And now because they have finished the Jessica Jones episodes, I believe they moved on to Agent Carter on Disney+. Plus. So now it is sort of kissing Jessica and Miss Carter at the same time. <laughs> Listen, I'm into it. That sounds great. So guys, check out Kissing Jessica Jones where they talk, it seems like, just any Marvel character TV show that they, they might want to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> kissing Tony Stark. This episode is also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business, and Brandon's Bug Business is actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook. So if you have any, but they should rename it the Need for Peed. <laughs> they absolutely. I've got should. a need. A the need, need for, for peed. So if you have any millipede, centipede, spider, scorpion, or any other peed that you might need for a practical or pranking purposes, reach out to Bug Cage Company on Facebook. So this episode's also brought to you by Taco Cat, and Taco Cat wants you to check out his podcast, What's Freddy's Dick Look Like Now That It's All Burned Up? <laughs> it's actually called What's New Barkeep? Whoa, 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 where each week they say any random shit they can to make Mikey giggle. And they also talk about pop culture stuff like, you know, movies and stuff like that, but sometimes they get super nerdy about like D&D and stuff like that. They also have a new alcoholic beverage every time. So check it out. It's called What's New Barkeep? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. 
we now return you to another episode of The Patrioticals. Okay, let me pull up my notes here. And they're blank. All right. <laughs> I love that Mikey checks his notes, but there fully are no <laughs> notes. Everyone awakes and the world looks like it did back in 2019. And <gasps> everything's normal. What? Yeah. So you have uh, Isaac. He... Still is a cannibal, though. He's decided that that is his <laughs> life now. And Dave is there, and he they're all just looking around. And um, Amy, the astronaut, was like, we did it. We went to the center of the galaxy and reset the timeline. What? You know this because you listened to last week. Yeah. Paige. It did seem like we were going to get a full reset after last week's episode that we fully we did not record out of order, so we know exactly what's happening exactly. right now. Eddie is in tears because he remembers what happened in the <laughs> old timeline. Because the mammals <laughs> told him. He uh-huh. remembers what happened last week. <laughs> and because of what happened to evil Matthew last week, he straight up just gets a thing and shaves his goatee off and he says, I'm just Matthew now. <gasps> what? <gasps> Redemption! He's leaving his evil ways behind him. Uh-huh. Sasha runs off in shame because she conquered the whole world and murdered millions and billions of people. But she did it for that sweet, sweet Isaac dick? Was it Isaac? No, it was Eddie, but Isaac actually runs off with her because he's like, hey, girl, what's up? I'm actually pretty evil. And listen, you know I like to eat anything. Because <laughs> he's a cannibal, Paige. Paige, he's a cannibal. I didn't realize Army Hammer was going to be in this. They're in like a suburban neighborhood. Uh, but then they look around, and Karun and Domosaurus are just standing there. And Domosaurus is like a smaller version of a T Rex. He's like a human sized T Rex. He's like, shit, I'm stuck on Earth. <laughs> and so, and, and Karun's like, I can't get any, I can't take any more of this shit. I'm getting too blue for this shit. Uh huh. But he p- turns around, and he's like, Danielle, queen of the moon, one people. I've always loved you. And he kisses her. I honestly did not see that coming. He hid it on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so moon. Tristam is still a he's still a robot because the people from last week, as you remember that thing that happened last week, the people that were inside that thing, um yeah. they, they retain their memories and shit. And so do the people on Earth. Yeah, that's absolutely what we remember from last week that we Uh totally recorded already. Uh I couldn't believe last week when you told me that was going to happen. And I was like, whoa. And then now I'm like, oh. I get it. And then uh, Kate's like, hey, we got to get you back to space. Uh, Domosaurus and Karun. But but Karun and Danielle are just still making out. And she's like, I've still got my psychic powers. And then she like makes a mailbox fall over and then puts it back because she doesn't want to be rude. And then Dave's like, am I finally not going to die this episode? And then Isaac eats him because he's like, no, no, bitch. (laughs) He pulls a Freddy. So basically there was no Illuminati now. Well, we don't know if the Illuminati exists or haven't come back. We've gone back in time to 2019. And there's no zombie outbreak and there's no post-apocalypse and there's no Thunder Domington and there's no uh, Mammaltopia. It's just regular Earth. And that's where we're leaving the episode this week. How long has this relationship between Daniel and Karun been going on? 
Why does the world reset to 2019? Does Mikey just yearn to return to Trump's America? Find out next week <laughs> on another episode of uh, It's when I came Patriot on the podcast. You don't have to justify it, Mikey. We know. Hate everybody. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Have a great week. Bye. Dream warriors. (laughs) Dream warrior nerds. (laughs) Yes. Nailed it. I know I'm dreaming because I'm super attractive and I have a pocket knife. (laughs) (laughs) 